0: Welcome to Banfield. We begin tonight with one of the most baffling and rage-inducing stories that I think I've ever covered. A woman who says she was raped and impregnated by a 30-year-old man when she was just 16 says that she has now lost custody of the child to her rapist and then was ordered to pay him. Child support. Pay the rapist child support. Just let that sink in for a moment. A rapist gets full custody of the child who was the product of the rape. Legal custody of the human being who is the most important piece of evidence in that case. If there's a case, ah, there's more. Crystal Ableseth says that she met the man, John Barnes, at a bar in Louisiana on December 15th in 2005. Back then, she was just 16 years old, and he was thirty. She admits that she'd been drinking with friends and was highly intoxicated at 16 and says Barnes offered her a ride home. She had never met that man before. And he took her home, but he took her to his home, not hers. And that's where she says he raped her on his living room couch. Again, she was 16, he was 30. And 16 is too young to give legal consent in Louisiana even back then. So even if Barnes denies it or says it wasn't a forcible rape, that is still a statutory rape. Later, Krista learned that she was pregnant. And in 2011, when her child was five years old, John Barnes learned what his rape had produced. Then four years after that, he decided to go for custody of that then 11-year-old girl, the product of his rape. Somehow, and here is the absolute head-scratcher, John Barnes was granted 50-50 custody by a Louisiana judge named Jeffrey Cash. This despite the fact that any lawyer, any judge, anyone who took some time to do some very simple math would have seen that John Barnes was by law a child rapist who raped his victim. Today, that daughter is 16 years old. And 16 years ago, Krista, the victim in this, was herself 16 when she was raped. And the DNA test proves that Barnes is the father. And, of course, he admits it because he wanted the child. And if you didn't think this could get worse, buckle up. Earlier this year, Krista says her rapist was given full custody of that daughter. Krista says she lost partial custody that she'd already had. And here comes another head-scratcher. She says it happened because she gave her 16-year-old daughter a cell phone. She gave her 16-year-old daughter a cell phone, and that is cited as the reason as to why she lost the partial custody that she had and that her rapist has full custody now. So I know. Right now, you are probably saying the same thing that I've been saying since I heard about this story from the get-go. This can't be possible. Not in this country. And yet it again gets worse. The judge ordered Krista to pay her rapist, John Barnes, child support. Why would any court grant custody of a child to a man who was a stranger for 10 years? How are we supposed to be thinking about the best interest of the child? The same man accused of raping that child's mother? Why would the police fail to investigate that rape when Krista, in fact, reported it to them back in 2015, seven years ago? And why would a mother lose custody of her child for simply giving her a cell phone? And then why would that mother be ordered to pay the rapist child support? There is either a whole other aspect to this story that I don't know about, or this is the most blatant disregard of a sexual assault victim's rights that I have ever heard of. So to try to get to the bottom of it, I am joined by the person at the center of this case, Krista Abelseth. And Stacy Trish is the founder and executive director of the organization called Save Lives. Welcome to both of you. And Krista, I'm sorry that we're meeting under these circumstances, but... Start with the police report seven years ago. Is there not a case? Was there not an investigation? Like, why were there not rape charges when the simple math shows you were 16, he was
1: 30, and the child is 16? Yes, ma'am. Um, so back when I filed the charges, um, I was told that it would be handled with care and that they were going to take the proper steps and do what they needed to do. And they told me not to tell anyone or alert anyone because they didn't want him to know or be alerted. Um, so I didn't say anything to anyone for a while. Um, but I kept calling and I kept calling and they would tell me, you know, it's under investigation. Um, but they wouldn't tell me anything else. Um, so here it is. I keep asking, you know, other officials, like, what else can I do? What else is there to be done? And no one could give me an answer.
0: Did you ever hire a lawyer or ask someone for legal help to try to get to the bottom of why there isn't a, a, a charge that's been issued against this man? Because by law, even back then, that was illegal. Uh, anyone under 17 cannot give consent, and thus that is officially a rape. So I just don't understand how this didn't end up being a charge or an investigation, or police didn't come and question you. Did police go and question him? Did you have any help on the legal front?
1: I had an attorney, and they just really weren't much help. They didn't give me an answer either. I didn't know where to go from there. Um, recently, I've gotten a new attorney, and she's basically put all this into motion with um, contacting the police force again, and we sat down with them and had a meeting with them um, just recently, a couple of months ago. And we gave and them all the... And the answer doc- there? We gave them all the evidence. We provided our birth certificates, the DNA. We said, what else do you need? I gave them numbers of the witnesses. I gave them anything and everything that they asked me for. Um, I told them if they needed anything else, please contact me. Um, no one has contacted me since that meeting. I've made multiple phone calls to the detective. I sent him an email asking for the status of the case. I've left voice messages and still no response. This just
0: sounds like a, a grave miscarriage of justice, and then I mean that's just the first part of all of this, right? That's the that's the rape from 16 years ago when you were 16, but now you have a 16 year old daughter and you've lost complete custody, um, and you're paying the man child support. Do you have any idea? why he came back into your life. He found out about her six years into her life and then four years later decided to go for custody. Why did he do that? Did he
1: ever say why? It just was never enough for him. He just wanted more and more and more. Um, he basically just wants her himself during during any of the custody hearings were
0: you able to assert in court to this judge jeffrey cash this man raped me when i was 16 and now he's taking my child and you're ordering me to pay him
1: yes it has been brought up in court more than one time um so the judge is aware of our ages and what took place but did the judge ever say any? this is the picture of
0: Jeff, Judge Jeffrey Cash on the screen right now. Did he respond to you? Did he give you an answer?
1: Did he say anything on the record in court? No, he did not acknowledge it at all.
0: So, Stacey Trish, help me understand um, how this case seems to have just fallen through the cracks. I mean, fallen through the, the Grand Canyon.
2: Well, first of all, it's, it's not an arduous case if you look at it. It's black and white. You have birth certificates. You have DNA evidence. All the facts are there. So this mother should have never had to go through this mud that she's gone through for the past 10 years with, with this, this legal battle back and forth because he should have never been given any rights to the child at all. But because we're dealing with a situation where a lot of political things are coming into play, we, we can't get anywhere. So that's why we had to contact the media.
0: So, you know, people who are watching would think that this doesn't make any sense. How on earth could he skate under the radar of the, of the police and then the courts, especially if it's just simple math to show that was a statutory rape 16 years ago? But you've said that John Barnes, the man who now has custody of your 16-year-old, that he harassed you and threatened you and told you he's connected. What does that mean? Who is he connected to?
1: I don't have any personal knowledge of who he is connected to. Um, he never disclosed that information to me personally. Did he ever say that he was uh, he has a contract with uh, local
0: police and that he had the shield of the local police up on his website until
1: you know this became all very public and now that shield has been taken down? Yes, that was public for anyone to see on his website. Stacy help me understand this business about the cell phone. I, I've just
0: look I've covered a lot of cases. I know a lot about custody and I've just never heard of an infraction of giving a 16 year old girl a cell phone um, being a reason to lose you know custody to the to extent that that she's lost full custody. What did that mean exactly. Is there something more to round out the, the, the cell phone issue.
2: Well, there is more to it because she did not give the child another cell phone. The judge had ruled prior to that that a cell phone could not be given to the child. And so Krista, with that ruling, did not give her 15-year-old another cell phone. It was an allegation that was made, an ex parte was filed, and Krista lost custody. She wasn't allowed to defend herself. It was just... She lost custody.
0: What was the original ruling a year ago at age 15? Uh, what was the reason behind the judge saying that she couldn't get a cell phone?
1: Um, he basically told me that he was upset because John didn't have access to that cell phone and that I shouldn't provide her with a phone at all. That's the only reason. He didn't want her
0: to have a cell phone, therefore she shouldn't have a cell phone. But there wasn't any other reason where a cell phone could be nefariously used. I mean, sometimes in custody they'll say, we don't want the child uh, who might have been involved in drug dealing to have a cell phone to continue that. I mean, was there any other issue connected to a cell phone?
1: Uh, not that I'm aware of.
0: I mean, it just sounds so incredibly preposterous. As I mentioned before, your daughter is now sixteen. She is the exact age that you were uh, when this rape occurred, when John Barnes took you home from that bar to his home, not yours, and um, illegally had sex with you on that uh, sofa, um, impregnating you. And... I, you have in February you filed a petition um, for protection based on some abuse you're alleging on on behalf of your daughter. And let me just read from this petition. Uh, this is what you said in the petition. My daughter contacted me on February twenty third, twenty twenty two, with the suspicion that her father had drugged and sexually assaulted her two nights in a row. I contacted the authorities and she was transported to Children's Hospital in New Orleans where she was evaluated, and the doctor confirmed that there is evidence of forced entry congruent with sexual assault. Now, usually what happens is right there in the hospital, police will arrive and they will take... Um, statements, especially if there's a, a parent uh, who's nearby. Did that not happen in this case when the, if there was a, if there was a, a confirmation by a doctor that there had been, you know, sexual activity, what happened next? Did, did Child Protective Services show up? Did the, the, the police show up at the hospital?
2: We're just not actually able to speak on that right now. We, we just found out today well we just found out today that the judge unsealed records we're not sure what he's unsealed so we're just not at liberty to discuss that because we don't you know we don't want to be involved in anything that's going to harm the actual
0: case that's coming up July 15th. He unsealed everything. There's there's nothing that's um, that's under seal anymore. We we were surprised at that. As I mean, really miraculous. The media does uh, some coverage, and all of a sudden, Judge mm-hmm. Jeffrey Cash uh, passed an order, and it unsealed everything. So there's nothing under seal now. Does that make a difference? Yeah, it does because there's still a minor involved, and so we are trying to protect the minor child. It's okay,
1: not really. Okay, and speaking modest. of, you, go ahead. It's oh, my daughter's personal and private information and experience, and I don't feel like I have the right to intrude on that. Understand. I just, I mean, if
0: it's a criminal activity, if there's an allegation that this man who raped you may have done it again, I'm just asking if police showed up and took a statement or if Child Protective Services showed up and took a statement, because that would be a crime. We just can't speak on that. Okay. Uh, next question. And Krista, your daughter is living with, with John Barnes now full time. Are you able to speak with her, meet with her? When was the last time you talked with her? And, and what does she say about her circumstances?
1: Um, I've only been able to see her during supervised visitations uh, every other weekend. The last time I saw her was this past Sunday. Uh, we have not had any phone contact. He's blocked my number. He will not let me speak to her. And that's been a very long time now, a few weeks, to be exact. And this, well, two, two questions there. Who's doing the supervision on those visits? It's been different people um, that haven't had the same supervision the whole time. And why were you ordered
0: to have supervised visits? Usually there's a, a, a bad situation in a household where a parent will order that there's supervised visits. Why did he say you needed supervised visits?
1: He, the judge didn't say why. I, like I said, it was done ex parte and the judge just signed off on it. I haven't gotten a chance to defend myself or speak to the judge or anybody. And when you I mean, say we're
0: ex parte, not do you mean that it was done in judges' chambers without you present? You, you didn't have a legal counsel present or what how there's a lot of different ways ex parte can happen. What's your characterization?
1: Judges chambers. The judges chambers, basically, it was done behind closed doors. That's all I know. But there's never been any
0: abuse uh, alleged um, by you. I mean, never John has never alleged that you've abused your daughter and therefore needed to have supervised visits. No, no. And then this is this is
2: what is so beyond shocking about this case is we're, we're dealing with a mother here that is is an amazing mother. She's never been in trouble with the law. She's never had a drug problem. You know, she's never had any of these things, but yet custody is being taken away from her. However, he has a criminal past
0: it's It is a remarkable story, none of it makes sense, and I'll tell you this. I'll vow to continue following this uh, to see where this goes and how some of this was able to um, to pass it just it does not make sense in United States jurisprudence that that this should happen to you. Um, Krista, thank you, Stacey, Thank you. I appreciate both of you telling your story tonight. Thank, thank you. you. I want to try to understand. Uh, like I said, how on earth this could have happened here in the United States? And I'm joined by two people who know a lot about Louisiana law. And this case in particular, Chris Nakamoto is an anchor and chief investigative reporter for WBRZ TV. He broke this story. And Jared Ambo is a criminal defense attorney and an expert in forensic DNA and family law in Louisiana. Welcome to both of you. So, Chris, what am I missing? I mean, I've done law coverage for a couple of decades now, and I've never seen anything like this.
3: Absolutely confounding. It makes no sense. When we were contacted initially by Stacy and told exactly what she just told you, I said, wait a minute, there's no way that this could have possibly happened. Then we start taking a look, asking questions. We did our due diligence, asked questions, tried to pull the court records. Of course, a lot of them were sealed, tied to the custody decisions, um, essentially that the judge made. And so we called the judge's office. We said, hey, look, we, we need some you know, clarification on why this happened. Um, a person in his office cited judicial canons being a reason as to why he can't talk about any case. But late this evening, just a couple of hours ago, a press release came out saying that all those records are unsealed. So you better believe when the court opens at 830 tomorrow, we will be there to read exactly why he did this. And as part of the uh release that came out he said that there will be written responses for the actions that were taken that have been filed into the record so it'll be curious to see if those were added today were they dated were they added at the time that those records were sealed or was this done to kind of cya after you know numerous other media outlets saw our story and began asking questions as well
0: I mean, you've made the national news with this one, and not just broadcast, it's uh, on national newspapers as well. It is an absolute outrage at its surface, just the very beginnings of it, that we can state with, you know, Louisiana law, even back then, uh, being very, very uh, firm in the fact that that is a statutory rape, the way it is described. There's no other way around it. So with that in mind, Jarrett, I, I, is there any way you can explain any of this? I mean, is there... Is there some shenanigans going on in small town Louisiana where this kind of thing just happens? Because I don't believe that.
4: Well, you know, the unfortunate reality is that that's that's sometimes the case. I know Judge Cash. I know Judge Cash to be a reasonable person. And so my initial reaction, much like Chris's, was to reach out to Chris and say, is this the whole story, Chris? Is this really what's going on? Because it's confounding indeed. How do you explain uh, what's happening here? And yet the only thing that I keep falling back to is, is this guy connected? Does he know someone? Has he gotten someone in the ear of the judge? Um, has he? And it's not in the ear of the judge to say, judge, do something unfair. It's in the ear of the judge to say, hey, judge, this is a really good guy and everything he says is the truth and everything she says is a lie that's how this works right this isn't a this isn't a, a backdoor deal where judge do something unethical because judge cash wouldn't do that what he's being told is that this guy's good and right and not lying and this woman is lying and that's how these things are done and so that's what well, i think that's is going like on comparing
0: here. you know what jared that's like comparing debate club in high school to math class there are definitive answers in math class and debate is all up for subjectivity and in math class we learn that 16 minus 16 when you're 32 years old is child under the law no so question. with that no in question. mind chris right so i'm i'm learning tonight that the da now says that uh there's going to be a, a once over on this you know i think the wording was we're going to be looking into it but the da says that uh till now the office had no knowledge of this case how is it possible the DA has no knowledge of this case if there's a custody case being asserted in a court of law before a judge, officers of the government, and no one says to the DA, this young woman says that the man raped her statutorily, and it actually measures up uh, 16 years ago? How on earth could the DA not know about this?
3: Those are very valid questions. And so we asked the district attorney um, after our story aired, we asked even before, um, he said he did not know anything about it. After our story aired on Monday, he said that he is going to be taking a fresh look at all of this to see where... The missteps happened. I think the biggest point here is a police report was filed seven years ago, 2015, alleging this improper action. And for seven years, a law enforcement entity literally allowed it to sit on a shelf somewhere and it appears nothing was done. When we started asking questions about this about a month ago, we are told the case was still open. After the story aired on Monday, we called, again, the Tampa Hope Parish Sheriff's Office to ask questions about, hey, have you guys done anything differently? And we did not get any sort of return phone calls back uh, saying that they've taken any more action or what the status of the investigation is after the story aired.
0: A rape case is bad enough. This is a child rape case that we're discussing at this point that no one apparently is doing much of anything about. Uh, Jarrett, last two questions, and I'm going to combine them. There's so many layers to this that are just, you know, my head is sort of uh, in fuego, but the notion that she lost full custody for having uh, the allegation against her is that she provided a cell phone to a teenager that I've never seen, never thought I could ever see anything like that. And then on top of that is ordered to pay child support to the man who raped her. How do you see a judge ever agreeing to these things?
4: I mean, given that the fact of, the fact of this matter is that that he committed a rape, right, that that, that it's unequivocal that he did. So it's very difficult for me to, con- to sort of reconcile that with what he's awarded here. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I get that you're that you're lost. I'm lost. And I, and I know criminal law and family law in Louisiana as good as anyone. And I'm telling you that it, it, this is just completely confounding. I, I can't imagine the set of circumstances. Um, because it's just a, a matter of fact that the child was born, that the child was born at a time when she was 16 and he was 30. And there was an age difference more than three years, which is all that's required in the law. And, and so, uh, you know, matters in mitigation might be offered in his favor, but but that doesn't relieve him of the criminal liability of what he did. And I can't I, I just don't I don't understand why uh, it's being you know, the time that's passed is just insufficient to relieve him of his criminal liability. That's just the
0: truth. I mean, and it's all asserted in a court of law. She, says she said she said these things out loud in front of a judge. She said she put them on the record during those custody hearings, so how they could be ignored uh, so egregiously. And by the way, for anybody out there who's saying, oh, statute of limitations does not apply in this case, often doesn't apply to children, or it's a lot longer for kids than it is for, for grown ups. So, Chris, I think you have your homework cut out for you starting at 8.30 in the morning, and we're going to call you as soon as you've had a chance to do some speed reading uh, to see what uh, what transpires tomorrow, and let's continue to follow this and you know put some eyeballs on it. It's amazing how sunlight is such a disinfectant for things that ail the criminal system. Thank you to both of you, Chris and Jared. I appreciate it.
3: Well, thanks Thank for you. having us.
0: And I promise you. I promise you, we are going to follow up on this, and we are not going to let up. I called twice. Sheriff's closed at 4. I called over to the judge. Not going to get an answer there either. So maybe, you know what, there's strength in numbers now that there's a whole bunch of us looking into it. Straight ahead. Is it still dirty laundry if you're not wearing any clothes? Meet Sammy, the 18-year-old daughter of Charlie Sheen and his ex-wife Denise Richards. Her new racy photos have dad blaming mom for Sammy's online peep show. But should Charlie Sheen be hurling stones from inside his very, very breakable house? We're going to get to the bottom of things when we come back. Here's a tip. If Charlie Sheen thinks you've gone too far in, well, anything, you probably have. The talented actor who is best known for his issues and his battles off-screen says he does not condone but is unable to prevent a career move announced this week by his 18-year-old daughter, Sammy. Sammy Sheen is the product of Charlie's brief marriage to Denise Richards, and Sammy is now uploading content to OnlyFans, the subscription-based adult website. For $20 a month, you too can see a whole lot more of Sammy Sheen than we're allowed to show you here on TV. And at least in public, Denise Richards seems to be okay with this. Charlie, however, is not. And he is blaming Denise for his daughter's decision, saying... Quote, she's 18 years old now and living with her mother. This did not occur under my roof. I do not condone this, but since I'm unable to prevent it, I urged her to keep it classy, creative, and not sacrifice her integrity. Which is a very good life hack in itself, yeah? If you can get past that whole pot calling that kettle black thingy. When we come back, a quick trip down memory lane to that time when Charlie was drinking tiger blood, cavorting with prostitutes, face-planting into bongs, pipes, and needles, all the while asking porn stars to babysit the kids. We're back right after this. Just in time for Father's Day, Charlie Sheen is butting heads with his 18-year-old daughter, Sammy, and his daughter's mother, Denise Richards. It's all over that daughter's decision to join the adult website OnlyFans only not as a fan, as an attraction. Joining us now, Hadley Hall Mears from The Hollywood Reporter and psychologist and parenting expert, Dr. Robbie Ludwig. She's the author of Till Death Do Us Part, Love, Marriage, and the Mind of the Killer Spouse. Spouse, hello and welcome to both of you. Okay, Robbie, I'm going to start with you. Uh, hypocrisy called and they want Charlie Sheen back. Am I crazy? <laughs>
5: Well, Charlie is still a father, and as someone who sexualized women, it makes sense how he wouldn't want his daughter to sexualize herself. Um, now, she may be a byproduct of having two parents that have been out there and had extreme Hollywood stories, but what we do know is that there are mental health consequences for women and young girls who sexualize themselves it's it's not healthy and is associated with a lot of mental health issues
0: well and also the fact that he's pointing at denise richards and saying didn't happen under my roof you know newsflash this lovely young lady lived under your roof not that long ago she had a spat with her mother and she went on tiktok and it was pretty viral i think she said something like uh uh, it's an abusive household, I think she said in her viral uh, TikTok video. And then all of a sudden everything was great and they took this picture at Mother's Day and she said she's, you know, the greatest thing alive. So kids do that stuff. They they say these things, they go back and forth. But but Hadley, the fact that he's saying this is not my doing, it's Denise's doing. When we all watch this guy asking porn stars to babysit
3: her. Hmm
6: yeah it's really shocking, especially think about two thousand eleven and his kind of severe mental health breakdown on national TV where he talked about doing so many drugs, hanging out with sex workers, you know that he had tiger blood that was more uh, more potent than anyone else's, and so the fact that he's coming after Denise, who has really been the primary parent, the one who seemed to try and ground the girls in normalcy and a sense of safety, I think. Is really kind of telling uh, uh, about our society at as large, right? The, the the role that men are allowed to play versus the role women are allowed to play in terms of parenting.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm, you referenced that 2011 interview. It was with Andrea Canning, um, former colleague of mine at ABC. It was uh, it was something else, something to behold. Let me let me just remind everybody. This was him sort of boasting about his drug use, the porn stars, the rock star lifestyle, the goddesses that were porn stars that lived with him. Take take a look at this quick clip. Tell me about the last time you took drugs. The last time I took drugs,
4: um, I probably took more than than, than anybody could survive. You know, what are we um, talking about? How much? I don't know, man. I was banging seven gram rocks and finishing them because that's how I roll. I have one speed. I have one gear. Go. Um, how so, do you survive that? Because I'm because I'm me. Because I'm me. I'm different. I just have a different constitution. I have a different brain. I have a different heart. I have a different, you know, I get tiger blood, man.
0: Ugh, tiger blood. He said he has tiger blood, but then later he was up on the roof, you know, with this giant, you know, crystal chalice swigging at what looked like blood. It was all just so much. So, Robbie, he has publicly expressed regret uh, for that interview and for the lifestyle and all the rest. But I kind of think, you know, how dare you swing a moral compass at your, yeah. you know, ex wife? um when you were so public about all this stuff and those girls uh saw it
5: yeah yeah, it's amazing the lack of self-awareness and and clearly Charlie and Denise are sparring exes and are not co-parenting in the best possible way. Uh, I would hope that Denise is not supporting Sammy and her engaging in this kind of over sexuality. Um, it's very possible that they had an estranged relationship and she wants to somehow stay connected so she can guide her daughter, but it would be Really nice if Charlie Sheehan said, Listen, I firsthand know how women are treated when they focus on just their sexuality, and I have interacted with these women, and I don't want that for you. I think that would be very powerful advice if he chooses to use his experience in that way.
0: And maybe he could go further and say, um, You know, do as I say, not as I did, because I'm just going to go over yeah. a real short sheet of his um, background since 2009. And like I said, this is the short version. He's convicted of assault in 09. He's ordered to rehab by a judge in 09. He's accused of assaulting that porn star and in that incredibly drunken rage at the Plaza Hotel in 2012 that made massive headlines. He was fired as the highest paid actor on television at $2 million per episode of Two and a Half Men. That was in 2012. He makes comments that are perceived as anti-Semitic about the show's creator back in 2012. And then he declared war with CBS over what he said was the network trying to destroy his family still in 2012. So Hadley, when, um, you know, when Andrea Canning asked him if he thought he was a good role model for his children, uh, t- take a look at what he said in that, uh, in that 2011 interview.
6: Do you ever worry about them and the things that you've been through and how it'll affect them?
0: I mean, I could worry about it or I could say,
4: hey, kids, your dad's a rock star.
6: What makes you a good dad? Everything. Next question. Hmm
0: everything mm-hmm. next question so here we are hadley and we're 11 years later after that interview and he thinks that he was a great dad and that everything about him back then made him a great dad and yet he decides that when something might go a little bit south with his daughter it can't possibly be his fault
6: yeah it shows an enormous amount of egotism there and also you know only fans, people like Cardi B are on OnlyFans. OnlyFans is not only sex workers, not that there's anything wrong with sex work. Uh, but maybe this is Sammy who says that she'd like to become a director and a writer, just trying to find herself. I think we need to cut her some slack. She's had a very strange fishbowl life, primarily on the account of her famous father. And I did a lot of crazy things at 18. I'm sure we all did. And perhaps this is just kind of a progression of her finding herself and trying to make some money as she does it. But I think I Charlie, really
0: hope so. Oh. Yeah. I, you know, I really hope so. I'm worried because she said if you want to see more, and she was already wearing a little bikini, and so the, the obvious, um, you know, suggestion is pay $20 a month and you can see even more than what this bikini mm. covers up. Hey, both of you, Hadley Mirrors, thank you, and um, Robbie Ludwig, it's always good to see you. Thank you thank both. Thank you.
6: Thank you. Okay,
0: uh, d- do you uh, want to make a dog owner angry? First off, do not say owner, because dogs aren't things. Uh, but the real answer is actually, talk trash about popular breeds on TikTok. What did you call my golden doodle? Uh, you're not going to believe the can of you-know-what that was opened when some lady decided to talk smack about booby dogs.
7: Banfield, in association with Walgreens.
0: Happiness may be a warm puppy, but warm puppies grow up. And noisy, messy, unruly dogs are, well, they're family, but they can be a handful for some people. Right now on TikTok, a woman who says she used to work in, quote, the pet industry, is venting on the dog breeds that she says she loves, but that she would never own. She singles out huskies, uh, saying they're completely unhinged and always screaming. German shepherds always the most anxious and for what? Samoyeds, non-stop barking fun police, any doodle mix, out of control demons, always matted and crusty little ankle biters, no explanation needed. She points out these are only her opinions, but now I want a second opinion from a really really good source. Antonio Diaz is a trainer, a dog behavioral specialist and owner of Leader of the Pack in Las Vegas. He's got a great Instagram feed. Antonio, I follow you on Instagram. You're the first person I thought of to call about this lady who's calling out all these breeds. It, are some breeds harder than others or is she just full of it?
7: Um, well, I think that it's all personal opinion. All right. And my first question to her would be, who hurt you? Right. What happened to you that you have such a negative taste? I'll say this when it comes to dogs. Uh, I they all have their own personality. So I wouldn't label it as a breed thing. I would label it as a personality thing. So
0: well, and a lot of people say, especially on TikTok in response to this lady, it's not the breed. It's the owner who's maybe not doing the right thing in training the breed. Would you uh, would you agree with that?
7: Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, we have to take in genetics, right? Because that's a part of it. But then we also have to uh, think about environment and part of the environment is the dog's upbringing and uh, who's in charge of that and how is the dog being directed and guided and what are they learning in their life on a day to day basis?
0: So today I watched one of your tips on Instagram and it was like the doorbell rings and you say, do you want your dog to do this? And the dog goes bananas. And then the next thing you show is the doorbell rings and the dog quietly goes over and sits on a little mat and waits. And then you taught the, the, your followers like in 30 seconds how to do it. Is there sort of like a, a magic that applies to all dogs or do you have to train every kind of breed differently?
7: Well, I think, again, you know, I approach every dog differently, so I think that's important, understanding like what the motivators are. But I think that's the big uh, difference is the dogs that are really motivated are the dogs that are the easiest to train. And the dogs that are not motivated, i.e., they could care less about you and what you have to offer them, those tend to be the hardest dogs to train. And that can vary from breed to breed.
0: So speaking of breeds, um, I have a Golden Doodle, and uh, that's not him, but I'll tell you something. I had no idea how awesome dogs could be until Atlas came into my life. And I wonder if it's just because of Atlas, or is it because Golden Doodles, Is that's him. There he is right there. That's Mabu. Um, is it just because they are really, really just awesome dogs, or did I just get a really good one? That's him.
7: Um, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, in my experience, I've been you know, on online groups and whatnot, doodles seem to get a lot of hate and I don't understand why I think that they're actually pretty cool dogs. I think that they're like the, uh, the real life stuffed animal dog. Right. And I mean, who honestly, yeah. I think they're really cute if I have to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think you probably got pretty lucky. I think you probably did a good job, um, picking him out or, and, or training him because doodles, I mean, look, they're combined with poodles and golden retrievers which are both working breeds and they're both very hyper extremely intelligent dogs and a lot of problems i see with dogs come from the dogs that are very intelligent and people will say that my dog's really smart and i'm like i know because they're totally taking advantage of you because they know how to do it they know how to manipulate so
0: dogs are the best we don't deserve them but we are so glad that you joined the show i would love to have you on all the time i love your uh your insta it's leader of the pack right your your handle's leader of the pack
7: Yes. At leader of the pack, LV.
0: LV for Las yes. Vegas. Antonio, thank you so much for being on. It's nice That's to awesome. see you. I'm, I'm glad you, to Ashley. be able to actually uh, have a conversation with you instead of just, you know, Likewise. you having a conversation with me. <laughs> see you next
2: time. <laughs> yeah, let's do Thanks it again. So much.
6: Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.
2: Guaranteed. Guaranteed.